It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. The Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. The week's most interesting interviews with senators, commentators, and newsmakers. Giving you a replay just in case you missed it. The Guy Benson Show. listening to the guy benson show i'm guy benson our website is guybensonshow.com podcast is free every day after the show is over around 6 p.m eastern and with us now is dana perino co-anchor of america's newsroom co-host of the five new york times best-selling author most recently of everything will be okay available in paperback now and dana it is always great to have you here thank you so much great to be here I want to start with Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House. In Taiwan, there was a lot of chatter around this. Would she go? Would she not? Some pressure, reportedly, from the White House not to go. Lots of really escalatory rhetoric from Beijing. And she landed a few hours ago. She put out some social media content already defiant. Your thoughts on this trip and this visit? Well, thank you for having me. I love your show, um, and it's always a pleasure to have you on America's Newsroom as well and to follow you on Twitter. Um, thank you. I, I, have a, I have a few thoughts. One, we should never have been in this position in the first place, okay? Trips like this are kept secret for a reason, for this very reason. And I know that the White House sounded, must have been you know, caught wind of it, or maybe the Pelosi's office alerted the you know, DOD or National Security Council. That would be appropriate. And... Then the White House is so mad that they leak it. So that put her in danger. It escalated the situation. It made Republicans who have never said a kind word about Nancy Pelosi (laughs) say she is strong. She is right. And so once again, the White House, instead of just saying, let's just take it as it comes, lawmakers should be able to go to Taiwan. But another problem that they have, Guy, is there is an inability to be very clear on what the policy is. Now, when I was press secretary, any time the issue of Taiwan came up, I had to go and reread the One China policy to make sure that I was going to do it correctly. And that's that's how sensitive it is. And President Xi is now, like, basically lost his mind, and he is desperate to be, you know, this leader for life, and he's got this big conference coming up in October, so he wants to be really tough. And so, unfortunately, I think that he's the one that's escalating the rhetoric, and we are not clear enough on our policy. And I'm glad that the speaker went, and yeah. it sounds like it went fine, and everything is going to be okay, at least for now. But this is certainly ratcheting up in, in the Pacific. Yeah, and I blame the Chinese for the rising tensions. Like, this is not her being provocative. It is them being provocative with their rhetoric, with the words that they're using, Uh, I lay this on them, but it sounds like we agree on this point. If you read between the lines and you read the reporting, it seems like not wanting to rankle the CCP, at least for a while, was the priority of the Biden administration. So they tried to squash this trip with with a leak. Then they were, I guess, lobbying her behind the scenes not to go. And then once it became clear that she was going to go anyway and they were going to look even weaker, 
Then they started to sort of come around a little bit publicly and say it's her own choice and our officials can go wherever they want to go. It just looks like they really badly mishandled this and kind of look weak both to Beijing and on Capitol Hill based on the way that they played this. That's right. And also, let's just take a moment to think about these brave people, some of the pictures that you're seeing of um, those Taiwanese who are holding up their signs, who are protesting, who welcome Speaker Pelosi with a big sign in one of the tallest buildings. Um, because this really, you know, it's about them. That's why she went. It's not about her. I don't believe that's about her wanting to just get attention. She gets plenty of attention. This is about those people who are wanting to live in freedom, wanting to have the economic freedom to pursue the opportunity that they're provided there. And they, they are staring down the barrel of a gun that is China, and they feel like they know what's going to happen to them. But I, I think some of these pictures are so inspiring. It's nice to be inspired by people who really care about freedom uh, as much as these guys do. Yep, by the Ukrainians and by the Taiwanese, and it's a big mm -hmm. reminder, at least it should be, to how fortunate and blessed we are here and how talking about freedom here is in some ways cheap, certainly not cheap for those who put their lives on the line in the military, but it means something extremely personal in those parts of the world where you've got an authoritarian government breathing down your neck or invading you in the case of Ukraine. Now, Dana, you talked about the One China policy, how you'd go and brush up on it when you were press secretary, so you had every little detail correct because of the sensitivity. I want to play you part of a montage. I don't know if you saw this. The Republican National Committee put this together. It seems like the new White House press secretary, really not that new anymore, Corrine Jean-Pierre, she has a particular phrase that she's fallen in love with. She uses it a lot. Her predecessor would talk about circling back, and that became our little fun nickname for her, Circle Back Saki, on the show. And I get sometimes when you're at the podium, someone will ask you a question, and you need to come back to them and, and ask a few questions and then answer it perhaps on another day. This is the way that KJP has been responding a lot of the time to many questions. And we cut this down to only about 20 seconds. It goes on for two minutes. There's more than 100 examples of her saying this already on the job. Cut 24. I don't have anything. I, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. I, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. I just don't have anything. I don't have anything. We don't have anything. I just don't have anything. Don't have anything. So I don't have anything. 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 Just don't have anything. I just don't have anything. I don't have anything. Again, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. I don't have anything. Don't have anything. Now, Dana, because we value your time, we will not play you the remaining minute and 40 <laughs> seconds of that montage. All different. Every these. Nope, all specifically different. And it goes on. Wow. They In this montage, they do a hundred different times that she said it. And I just wonder, in terms of best practices, what you think of that and how you assess overall the job performance of Corinne Jean-Pierre so far. Well, I always am kind to the press secretary because um, I understand how hard the job is. And she's not working with a lot of great material. Okay, And I think one of the reasons she doesn't have anything is because they don't give her anything. However, I do think also it's your responsibility to go and get the information. And one of the things I would uh, ask of my deputies, and they did an excellent job, is I, I demanded I should never be surprised by a question at the briefing. And there are just some things that you have an answer about. For example, a few weeks ago, one of those, I don't have anything on that for you, was about the baby formula crisis. Right. When you are in an ongoing crisis, you just have to have something in your back pocket that you always say. Um, the other thing is, maybe her deputies need to figure out a way 
to help her have more information. And I think the reporters, I, you know, I wouldn't say they're treating her with kid gloves. I don't think they are. I, I think it's pretty clear that there's a consensus building that she's not able to effectively communicate on behalf of the president. And one of the things that was very strange yesterday, I'd love your take on this, was that the outgoing communications director, Kate Bedingfield, is now apparently changing her mind, and she's going to stay. Yeah, she's back incoming, I guess. Yeah, I guess, and I find that some of it, that, that's, the story's just read very strangely to me. Like, something obviously happened that she felt that she wanted to leave, and then she got talked back into staying, and now there's tension within the White House because apparently there's one camp who thinks that the communication strategy has not been good enough, but another camp that thinks that Corinne Jean-Pierre is not going to be able to handle things. And then more and more, you see John Kirby, uh, who is a National Security Council spokesperson. Yeah, at the podium. Speaking out more and more. Exactly. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see him do more of that. I mean, he's doing Sunday shows where you don't just get asked about uh, foreign policy. You can get asked about anything. Do you agree with that consensus that you just mentioned, at least that appears to be growing in the White House, that Jean-Pierre cannot effectively speak on behalf of the president? necessarily i think one of the things uh, the other thing that happens is that they have very very stringent covid rules at the white house which is why the president is only now getting covid for the first time and i don't think that they spend a lot of time with him and i don't think he's very decisive you see that also growing as a criticism within the white house that their the, the decisions are slow to get made that they're contemplated for way too long and that might be why she doesn't have anything for anybody on that, this or that, because they haven't made decisions yet. might not be her fault. Meanwhile, we have the Vice President Kamala Harris. I saw this yesterday. Now, sometimes when she's speaking off the cuff, she gets into some trouble. She says something that's kind of cringeworthy or repeats herself. In this case, it appeared that she was reading a prepared text. This was teleprompters, the whole thing. And here is how she concluded this prepared speech in Cut 23. While we send our prayers and our love, we also, with each day, renew our commitment to the urgency of now and the ability that we have collectively, all of us in it together, to do something about it. I mean, it, it's just kind of filler words, Dana. And I know that a few of her top speechwriters have quit, so maybe that's what we're hearing there. But it doesn't really seem like they're sending their best when it comes to the vice president and a lot of her public rhetoric. Well, again, I'm, a, I, I, I'm boy, reluctant to blame the staff because Kamala Harris has been doing this for a long time. And perhaps she always spoke like this and nobody noticed. I mean, she didn't get very far. She was the first to drop out even before the primaries in the presidential uh, campaign in, uh, what was that, 2020. I, I'm just a little bit shocked. <laughs> and no, she was a statewide office holder in California, then a senator, right? I mean, she has a long yeah. career. I guess maybe. I, 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 I find it very hard to believe that this is a new tick of hers. It must have been how it has been all along. And it only is now being scrutinized because she is the vice president of the United States and everything she says is going to be recorded and played. But if you, if, if that was actually in the teleprompter, and I would assume, I, I know that most 
every principal I've ever worked for has been engaged in the text before they read it out loud in public. And if that was actually written for her and in the teleprompter, and she reviewed it and then okayed it and then went ahead and said it, that's, a, that's incredible to me. It's, it's, it's just, just such so a disappointment banal. missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. On the messaging versus substance front, this is something that I know you have talked about many times before. It's sort of almost one of Dana's cardinal rules of politics, which is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to put those words into your mouth or say this is one of your hard and fast rules if it's not, but I've heard you talk about this before. Oftentimes, much of the time, when a political operation is obsessed with their messaging problem, often that's really just a deflection away from or masking a substance problem, a reality problem. And, and whether it's, you know, the White House trying to change the definition of recession or to just dismiss out of hand condemnations or criticisms of this new bill that they're going to say is inflationary or reducing inflation rather and sort of playing rhetorical games there. You hear a lot of Democrats quoted and frustrated staffers sometimes whispering to reporters about how the messaging operation is a problem and needs help. And you were just talking about that with one of their top people leaving and then it was a false start. She's staying and the press secretary. I just feel like ultimately when the results are what they are, they can obsess over the words and the meaning and the spin and how to try to change this word and how it's consumed by people. That all just kind of seems like noise. At least that's how I look at it. Yeah, whenever you hear we have a communications problem, dismiss that out of hand because it's a fact problem. When fact problems exist, that means your communications is not going to be good. When the facts are good, the communications are good. It's very, very simple, actually. Now, there are things that you could look at. Uh, for example, I'm thinking of Disney when they issued that statement um, on the transgender issue down in Florida and the Don't Say Gay mm -hmm. Bill or whatever it was called. Mm -hmm. um, that, was, that was definitely, I would say that was both a policy and a communications problem. You can have facts that might not be good, like maybe your stock is down, okay, and then you have to explain that. But it's not a communications problem if the article is – if the headline is X company's stock is down, that's just a fact. That's just the way that, that it is. So they refuse to announce those facts. I'm actually a little bit fascinated by – let's just take Joe Manchin, for example. He's signing up for every interview out there like he has a case to make, but he's not actually arguing anything or landing any facts down. He's yes. just speaking a lot of platitudes. Yes. That's a that's that is not just a communications problem, that's a policy problem because your spin can't keep up with the truth as people dig into the uh, new what are they calling it? Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah, yes. And he's claiming as we talked about at the top of the show that there's nothing to do with tax increases in there, which just is like blatantly false. It's it's right there in the bill and you can only say I agree to disagree so often if you don't have anything of substance to push back with, and that's what struck Brett Bayer in his interview on Fox News Sunday. He and I talked about it yesterday here on the show. By the way, Dana, I look up at my monitor here in the studio, press conference at the White House briefing room. Do you care to guess who's at the briefing podium right now? It's got to be Kirby. They got foreign it's, policy news. It's Kirby. It's Kirby, just to your point earlier. Last question, yeah. Dana Perino. On this president and this presidency and where we are as a country, 
we've seen some excited sort of journalism wish casting in the last few days that this is the Biden comeback. I mean, he's got the wind in his sails, the winds at his back. Biden's turning this thing around. He could be the next Reagan. They seem pretty excited about that. Uh, it seems I'm going to be very polite and call that premature. <laughs> I wonder what you think. I'm glad you asked, because to me, this is so tried and true for any Democrat, especially a Democratic president. The media wants so badly to write comeback kids' stories that it's like they had them pre-written as if they were obituaries. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, get that. It, it might be time to run that comeback story. We, we might not get another chance. So let's uh, let's go ahead and add, run like, it on Thursday. Thing, I, know I know you've got to run. I'm going to just say one thing, that one area the media has constantly missed in evaluating Biden is what normal people feel. I'm blown away that they think every successful handshake deal in the Senate moves the needle in swing states where inflation is around 13%. That doesn't seem plausible to me. I think journalists could do themselves a lot of favors by getting to know a lot more real people who don't share their worldview, but that is not something that many of them seem curious about, and so here we are. Dana, we've got to leave it there. Co-anchor of America's Newsroom, co-host of The Five. Everything will be okay in paperback available now. Dana, thank you so much. Great to have you with me. Me, Be with you. Both. It goes both ways, and I look forward to TV soon as well. Thanks, Dana. And we'll be right back after this. That was this week's edition of the Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.